This is Money Beat from the Wall Street Journal. Everything you need to know about money and the markets, and then some. Welcome to the Money Beat podcast on this sunny but uh, kind of cold Friday here in New York City. Paul Vigna, Stephen Grosser, Telus Demos in the studio with us. And we have a special guest today. Adam Draper is from Boost VC. Adam Draper is Boost VC. If you don't know about Boost VC, it is one of these accelerator programs out in San Mateo, California. Adam is, if you don't again, if you don't know who Adam is, I'll give you the, the quick bio. He is a fourth generation VC. His great grandfather William H essentially is credited with it, with creating the venture capital industry. He, yeah, he actually invented the limited partnership concept, which right. to, today venture capital. Right. Is so he was a yeah. banker and uh, from New York. I, I looked this up today. Your family has roots from the New York. We have roots. So. <laughs> Uh, went out to California just after Hewlett Packard found it, and, and really Silicon Valley was still a lot of farmland. Mm-hmm. And your great grandfather, very instrumental in the entire rise of Silicon Valley, and your family. Mm-hmm. So your family's history is very intertwined with the rise of Silicon Valley. And now you founded and run one of these accelerators out there, Boost VC, focused primarily on Bitcoin. Now you're doing a little virtual reality also. We can Blockchain talk about and that. virtual right. reality is yeah, so, our core competency. Uh, w- what you do, and again, we have the best listeners in the world, and I'm sure I'm telling I'm, them things. I'm excited to know. talk to all of you. Uh, but in case you're not familiar, folks, what, what Adam does is he takes in startups, brings them in for about three months. It's like a boot camp for startups, really. Uh, give them some access to capital, for which you get a little equity stake. Uh-huh. Uh, access to... Um, um, you know, to, uh, what's housing, what for? housing, housing, office space, office space. We invest in the companies, right. and then we really, mentorship. Yeah, mentorship. That's the word. There's I was that, that was for. the word. You're right. Yeah, that's the word I was Good. choking on. Uh, mentorship. So you're in New York for a couple of days. Yeah. Uh, what are you in New York for? I am. Uh, well, I, I was mentioning uh, that uh, there's this concept in China called Guanxi. I wanted to build out a little <laughs> bit of a trusted network uh, out in New York. I want to stop by, say hi to you. I want to stop by, really see, say hi it. to a lot of investors. Uh, a lot of there's a lot of action in the financial fintech space. This is a hub of financial right. technology, um, and there are there is a little bit of a humming of virtual reality. So it's a very relevant place for me to be uh, yeah. doing things. What uh, you know, broad strokes. What's your take right now on? You know, b- blockchain specifically. I mean, we we talk about a lot of market stuff here, but uh, uh, you know, let's talk about me, a little bit also the evolution of you know, sort of Bitcoin into blockchain and where it stands now. You want to go there? Okay, yeah, let's yeah. go there. Yeah, what do you think? Because you were you were in very early in Bitcoin and in investing in Bitcoin. Uh, I think this is 2012. You took a stake in Coinbase, right? I did. So you were into the the sector early. A lot of it has. Has has pivoted to what people are now calling the blockchain. Yeah, what's your take on that whole move? Yeah, it's really I mean, it's really interesting. Uh, just having been in the space, I, f- I feel like a grandfather, even though I've only been right. three and a half years <laughs> of, of blockchain. Well, investing. that's most of its history. Uh, and and so uh, I was the first investor in Coinbase, uh, and. I, I was learning a lot about it three and a half years ago. I had to, you know, there's a lot of uh, just knowledge base you have to understand about the technology to be able to get into it and start investing in it. Six months later, uh, we ran our first uh, Bitcoin accelerator um, program where we had six, uh, seven actually Bitcoin companies go through it. And we became known as the Bitcoin accelerator. But the evolution has really been about the currency to the technology. 
Mm-hmm. And so then it was really exciting from a developer's perspective because all of a sudden there was this uprooting uh, revolution that was happening in the – they were, you know, bring, bring down the banks was essentially right. like the general feel of it. And how it's evolved is that the banks have figured out that this technology could bring them down maybe – and now they're all partnering mm-hmm. to to uh, and, and that evolution has been very uh, exciting to watch. There are a lot of things that happen in between, like me talking about those two <laughs> spots <laughs> specifically. Right. But but like basically, that was the fundamental change was that um, everyone was against Bitcoin not only because at the time all you ever heard about were the illegal things purchased with right, it, right, the right. down you know the, the losing the of scams. money, the scams. Yeah, yeah. But that's all like the core audience was also this libertarian. I don't want to be part of. You know the sort of system. So you know now that you have the banks, yeah. you know, sort of, <laughs> right. it, which are the system. Yeah. Now, now it's the system. Yeah. Like these these uh, startup companies are are becoming the system, and it's a really um, fundamental evolution that needs to happen. I, what I like to say is that the startups really they they created this revolution from the ground up, but at some point you can only push push that message marketing wise. So high, right? You need uh, financial institution adoption to be able to bring this to the rest yeah. of the world, and so really, it's it's a collaborative effort from those revolutionaries who are trying to uh, break the system and the people right. who are the system. So it's a real, it's an interesting dichotomy that's being. And there, there's still some friction there mm-hmm. within the community. I mean, between the the diehard libertarian anarchist types and the folks that want to see it become more mainstream. And you're right. There was a point where you you could almost see Bitcoin adoption hit a wall mm-hmm. in terms of the growth perspective. It's still growing, but I mean, it was it was rocket ship up in terms of mm-hmm. just the percentage growth, and then it hit a wall because at some point, people don't care about geeky things like what the blockchain is and what it will allow you to do. They all they actually want is they want something that works on their phones. Yeah, they don't care what it really does or means. Yeah, and. It, just like I, I would say there's a lot of analogies that go to the internet or computers. Uh, basically, no one talks about, t- you know, I use TCP IP w- right. w- in order yeah. for, like when I'm using the internet or when I'm using Facebook. No one's like, oh, I'm going to TCP IP yeah. you this thing. And I think that that's the fundamental difference is that blockchain is not a con- – Bitcoin and blockchain aren't really a consumer-related product. It's this product that underline it, it fundamentally changes out the entire financial infrastructure. And it, it's really, really exciting and it's really, really big business. But the actual um, – basically, it, it's just an evolution away from the consumer to the enterprise. Yeah. But are yeah. you still finding that like you know, young, brilliant developers who are excited about Bitcoin originally – are they still interested in this now that it, it, it has rapidly been taken up by the big banks and now we're talking about how can this be applied to exciting things like syndicated loan process transactions and, you know, like all yeah. of those, all of like they're very important to the banks. They're costly, but they're certainly not as like sexy. So I, do you still get like entrepreneur, like young kids who come in and say like, I want to change the world with this stuff? What we see more common than not, so originally it was uh, really excited people who wanted to understand currency more almost. Like they wanted to understand how the system worked. And now what you really see is an evolution towards um, – it, it's normally a young developer and a older person who understand, like a more experienced person who really understands the markets. 
And so it's there were it really is like an amalgamation of this revolutionary thing. The regulation, the regulatory environment, also is something that is un, unsexy in a lot of ways to people, um, and from the like young developer standpoint. And so also, which has triggered this move towards the blockchain because Bitcoin has become this very regulated yeah. en- entity, but the technology itself has not. So there's there's my my general answer is yes. <laughs> yes, we are. There, people are very excited about it. It's just you need a more experienced hand now to be able to handle institutions. Uh, this year is the year of financial institution adoption for blockchain. Twenty sixteen. Twenty sixteen is the year of financial institution adoption in blockchain. Twenty seventeen is going to be the actual like end consumers are probably going to be uh, using it in some way or another. They just don't necessarily need to yeah. know that. All right, and let me ask you. Let me let me, let me ask you a tougher question though. Like, when will we see the first like wipeout of Bitcoin blockchain companies have started? Like, when are we going? What to do you mean see, by wipeout? I mean like like not not from the failures of you know exchanges type right, thing. I mean we had one or two big ones. People that got people that got VC funding yeah. for some big idea, mm-hmm. but. At some point, people are going to realize that that's the world is moving in a different direction. They're the B, they're the beta versus so, the VHS version, and so you know they're just those companies aren't going to make it. They're going to have to get merged, sold, aqua hired, or whatever. Have we have we already seen that, or, or, or are we also going to see in twenty sixteen or twenty seventeen a bunch of these guys kind of fold up and say, you know what, some big, you know, now that the IBMs and the Price Waterhouses of the world are involved, there's not space for us anymore. Yeah, what's happening right now is uh, first off, never. <laughs> we'll never see that. No, the uh, you know a lot of the venture industry is talking about this uh, like tightening of uh, wallet. So you know, like the markets are a little unsteady, and so a lot of people are really you need to prove the model before you're going to receive investment. I am seeing the opposite in blockchain. Everyone is seeing this financial institution move where J.P. Morgan, who used to be a huge doubter of the Mm -hmm. space, has become the biggest advocate. These huge banks are now experimenting with these. So what I'm seeing is I think if you are a blockchain startup, you will – blockchain blockchain startups are going to do very well in the fundraising environment today where Mm -hmm. a lot of – I think it's the – uh, you know, enterprise, uh, consumer, whatever, like those, those ones really need to prove out the model. Right now, we see the financial institutions adopting this. There is money. There, we know who the customer do, is do, now. Do the old line Bitcoin companies get locked out of that new system, though? Uh, old line Bitcoin? Old, yeah. The ones old from line, 2013. Yeah, exactly. Right. Oh, man, those th- three-year-old uh, <laughs> three companies. Some of them are almost five years uh, old now. I, I, think there's, I think I saw gray hair recently yeah. on, on somebody. That, <laughs> I, I'm growing them in. It's all about supporting the Bitcoin and blockchain space. That's what that gray hair <laughs> happened. Um, the, I'm going to start calling myself old lion. I like that. The, I'm an old lion in the Bitcoin yeah. space. Um I don't. I don't think they. Uh, they have the experience. Yeah. It's sort of like you need. You need that. Like there's a lot of technical things. There's a lot of experiential things that are just going to be necessary for this ne- next evolution of the space. So you think that this is a case where the first movers. It's not going to be. Hey, remember, uh, Friendster. Facebook came along and ate their lunch because they kind of they saw the mistakes Friendster made and reinvented it. You think that the that the people here first because maybe the technology is so kind of wonky and new that they're actually that it's going to be the later people who maybe kind of wash out a little bit well, I, it, it, it yes 
Yes. I, I mean, I, I think you need to get in now if you're going to be making a huge impact would, hmm. would be the way I would say let's, uh, let's take a quick break. We want to get one commercial break in here, and then we'll come back on the other side of this, and we'll, we'll keep talking about this. I'm going to broaden it out a little bit more, talk about the Valley in general. Hi, this is Veronica Dagger. Catch me midweek every week on Watching Your Wealth, where you learn all you need to know about building your wealth and protecting your money. Check us out at WSJ.com slash podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at WSJ Podcasts and become a subscriber on iTunes. WSJ Podcasts. Listen ambitiously. Now, Money Beat. Welcome back, Paul Vina, Steve Grosser, Telus Demos, and our special guest, Adam Draper from Boost VC out in San Mateo, California. Uh, you know, I think you guys in the Valley live in a very different it, world. You don't need to say Valley us. in such like a negative connotation. <laughs> He's from Jersey. <laughs> yeah, I am from New Jersey. You know. um, the Valley. Because well, I'm going someplace with this question. You know, uh, when you're outside... A lot of what we hear is uh, unicorns, uh, valuations to the do, sky. Do you have those here too? No, we have mangy ponies. Is what we have. Uh, boom, bus cycles, and a lot of people. And tell us, you know this very well. Uh, you know, you started to see all these so-called unicorns, right, which are private startup companies, a billion-dollar valuation. The idea was that they were so rare, there was like a unicorn. Now there's 40 or 50 of oh, them. Oh, there's more than that. There's more than – There's right, 100. Right, right. There's more than that. Uh, you know, people are talking about is there another bubble in the valley. That's where I'm, that's where I'm going with all this. Yeah. Is there another bubble in the valley? How does that affect you trying to work in your spaces and so, so what's your take on it? Is there a bubble? The, yes also, or no? What, how does it affect you? The, just the IPO market now. I mean, the, right. we've gone off to a horrible start this year. Yeah. And, and last year wasn't a great you know, uh, year for IPOs, especially it, tech companies. Yeah. F- fear spreads that. It's, it's the fear that there might be a bubble mm-hmm. that's sort of leading to the lack of a good IPO market. leading to. So a lot of people talk about, talk about the, these unicorns as over, overvalued. And I'm first going to say why I think that you know, some of them are valued, and mm-hmm. then some of them are. There are ones that probably that people were getting a little overexcited and not uh, un- understanding. You know, in- investments were getting not doing their due diligence. I don't know what the the process would be, but the I'm going to say why they're valued, and the reason is, you know, these companies like Uber and Airbnb, everyone like marvels at their valuation of eighty billion or mm-hmm. twenty five billion dollars, and the the truth is right now. It, with software, you're able to launch globally faster than you've ever been able to do before. And so th- suddenly your market is not 300 million people in the United States when you're building a product. Your market is 3 billion people that have a cell phone. Mm-hmm. And like that, that growth that has that ability, that market size has given these companies the ability to grow faster more than ever before. Um, so I, I believe that, that there are companies who are very well valued because of the growth potential that they might have. Um, that being said, you if you call the impending doom every day, eventually you'll be right. And the uh, you know there is a, a fear uh, in, in Silicon Valley that um, and which is sort of how it affects my business is that the shift uh, in term sheets and in investments has moved away from uh, the power of the entrepreneur and more back to in the investor's hands. So the invest like investments are still happening, companies get funded like it's 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 still happening today. The but the shift of power, uh, it 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 isn't entrepreneurs naming their price now. 
Yeah. There was there was a time frame where you could say any number between three and fifteen million as a valuation. You could hand angel investors a, the a, a convertible note or a safe, and they might say yes. Hmm. That just just as far as like they're thinking, this is either a billion dollars or it's nothing, and so that's the concept of investing. So it's more of a buyer's market than a seller's market. Yeah, and now it's become more of a buyer's right, market. Right. And it's uh, and I'm and well, it's a yeah yes. Yes. Yeah. A so, cautious buyer's market, I would say. Okay. Like, you, you you need to prove value now. You need yeah. traction. You need. How, how long? How when did that change come? How far back? It literally was three months ago yeah. or something. Like, right. It, it was it, recent. It, it was a very. Uh, it was it correlated with the market uh, volatility that happened. Yeah. Like all of a sudden that happened and everyone was like, "Told you so," and <laughs> they, they they pointed at the the stock market and they they yeah. were like, "This is happening," and so. Uh, Venture capitalists, you know, it, it's a re, it's a reaction where all of a sudden you still love companies, you still w- want to help these entrepreneurs, but you're 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 trying to assess what that value is. Yeah. So. so at 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 the in the part of the market you operate, you're touching companies who, I mean, don't even exist yet, right? These are people who come to you with an idea, mm-hmm. and you say, hey, you might have a business on your hands. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, in the in the way the world's been working. Recently, that means that they're not going to go public for ten years, yeah. perhaps. If are ever, you, if well, if ever. But are you are you structuring deals even at that level differently to acknowledge that fact that like that there's not going to be any exit for you in that sense, right? Because unlike in the dot com days when a company might get from angel to IPO within three a, or four years. A year and a half. Or a year, well, <laughs> yeah. at, at, the, at the peak, like faster than that. But, but, but yeah. even, even reasonably speaking was like, oh, you know, five years. Now that it's 10, maybe 15, are you having to adjust the way that you structure deals I mean, and uh, the uh, economics that you have to acknowledge that? Uh, so so first, we're – we're in this for the long game. We partner with the entrepreneurs early in order to be there for the entire story. And so that's a, that's a big, you know, we're committing up front to seven years before we see results. Like that's generally what, what, what our thought process is. Uh, your, your quip about sort of the public, like is it going to happen? It's a very re- relevant question because are the public markets even going to be a thing it is an even better question. Yeah. If I were a startup right now, I would wait to be, go public. It's four to five million dollars a year for Sarbanes Oxley, like mm-hmm. just to be able to uh, participate in the public markets. You're paying four to five million dollars just to exist in the public markets. That's why you see no micro cap companies like going into these markets. Um, so suddenly, you know that time horizon goes from you know you need to be a fifty to one hundred fifty million dollar company to you need to be a billion to eighty billion as Uber's proving dollar company before anyone cares. And you know there there are these rules like you know you need to have once you're you're a thousand shareholders or something you're, right. you're basically public. Um, and so people are trying to keep their shares not tradable. Um, and that's a that's a rough place to be. So I, that I think well I guess the question was more in relation to like in my business do we compensate for. Um, yeah. Or do yeah. you do you are are you asking people to say you know what at some point we're going to expect a dividend from you because we know that there's not going to be any exit coming so maybe you have to pay us or are you saying okay we need to have an intermediate exit step where we're going to eventually sell after seven years we're going to sell our interest you, in you to some kind of mezzanine buyer or 
Or do you look at like the crowdfunding markets where like, okay, maybe we won't go public, but we'll use one of these like kind of halfway between private and public kind of steps to broaden out the ownership a little bit? Yeah, the uh, so we okay. No, we don't. We, we, like we are still classic venture in a lot of ways. Where we do pay, it's a twenty five thousand dollar investment. So we're really just getting in there to be able to help them get started for six percent. Um, and we, there is something that's happening in the markets where there are a lot of uh, purchases into the Series A or purchases into the Series B. Uh, which is an interesting thing where you, you can attain a little liquidity in hot deals. Mm-hmm. Um, we have not participated in those when if, when we've had chances. So you, you've held you, – you haven't done like a little bit of early exit. You're still no. saying we're in there for the long run. Be, because the uh, – you know, the one – all you need is one complete blowout that pays for the whole – everything else. And, and so if you're betting on that, you don't want to sell too early. So you're saying even even in a world where like if things aren't as buoyant as as they might have been, you still have the possibility of like if you get one Uber in your portfolio, that well, pays for everything else. Well, but I mean, but that's but that's yeah. you know, or and I didn't and air, you know, it doesn't matter. Something you get one big one. Something where your twenty five thousand dollars turns the, the, into two hundred fifty yeah. million dollars. The, the, the advice I got from someone as uh, a friend and mentor of mine was, he said, in this business, you only need one. Because then yeah. you're, you, 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 it, it really does make up the returns for everything else. Um, and it's been proven over and over if you go back through everyone's portfolios. Big venture firms, it's always one that everyone talks about. You're, you're fundraising, you're talking about one deal. And what? I guess to be fair, that that's what people forget about the venture capital market is that they don't need every company to yeah. be – Right. A super duper home run. In a lot of ways, it's an ETF on startups. Like you're 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 looking at a huge market. It's and you're hope you're working to make ensure yours to win. Yeah. But yeah, it's a it's an interesting business. Uh, we may have to have you back. We'll, we'll just call you on the phone. I mean, you know, sure. We have things called phones these days. But uh, you were here in New York, so it was great to have you in the studio. We're gonna have to wrap it up. I know you have to go somewhere too. So yeah, to go. sorry. But uh, this was really great. Th- th- thank you so much for having me. This was right. awesome, Adam. Thank thanks for coming in. No, us. but I'm serious because like I think we hit about five different things that we could have kept going on. Yeah. So maybe we'll just do another one by Let's phone. Let's do another one. Yeah. All right, uh, everyone, have a good weekend. Thanks for listening, Adam. Thanks for coming in today. Thank you very much.